Puddles in the morning, puddles in the evening, puddles in the afternoon. Well, I'm a puddle boy and she's a puddle girl. The Puddles podcast is starting real soon. All right. Uh, welcome to Puddles with Andrew Collin. I'm Andrew Collin, a.k.a. Puddle Boy, a.k.a. Dry Dick, a.k.a. Poop Hands, a.k.a. Tickle Cock, a.k.a. Garbage Face, a.k.a. Mice, a.k.a. Old 12 Balls, Old 12 Falls, excuse me, Old Gray Balls, a.k.a. ATC, a.k.a. a.k.a. That's a mouthful, boy. Yeah, mice took me back. <laughs> I, for, I forgot about the mice days. <laughs> do you remember that when I put my change my name like a fucking idiot? I, that that was a time where your career was going so poorly that literally changing your name accidentally to Mice on Facebook was like the best thing going for you. <laughs> it might still be. No, it's finally like doing something. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But yeah, I know. I remember I changed it from Andrew to Andrew Mice Colin because Andy, oh no, what is it? Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. And, and thought, that was the best part about it is it was like this inside joke in your head that no one really even got right away. No, and you're into like being like, you're a very logical thinker. Yeah. And I'm probably the opposite of that. Nikki yells at me a lot saying my jokes are a lot of times. Too abstract. I, yeah, and I go, they don't have to be lo- like, J.B. Smooth isn't logical. Yeah, but you're not J.B. Smooth. We're pretty similar. <laughs> have you ever seen me in a suit? <laughs> True. I'd love to see you pull off a J.B. Smooth outfit. You know, we met him. Oh, wait, let me introduce you. So this uh, sure. comedian, he's incredible. Um, God, I don't know how far back we go. I was your uh, not the best man at your wedding, but I was a witness at your the only witness at your wedding, which is your biggest credit to date. And he also happens to write for this show called uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But I think me going to your wedding. What did I wear to your to your wedding? So you, you write me. It's know. nine in the Listen, morning. If, if you think that on my wedding day I was concerned with what you were wearing, you are sorely mistaken. <laughs> you yelled at me. <laughs> you, I yelled at you for what? You said I wore sweatpants to your wedding. Oh, oh. I'm talking about the courthouse. Oh, God. See, I forgot. Because <laughs> I was like, when you were like, you were my witness, I was like, no, you weren't. Uh, yes, when we got when we got courthouse married for insurance purposes, you were my witness and you were in sweatpants for sure. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> it was just me in a little room. Yeah. It was romantic, though, I mean, man. I mean, looking back, sweatpants were probably too dressed up for the occasion. And <laughs> And it was funny because the judge, like, you still, did you even say my name, by the way? The, oh, yeah. You, you, you tried to introduce me. To Noah Garden-Swartz. He's a great you comedian. Go. You can see Thanks. his special on Comedy Central. And, uh, yeah, he's fantastic. So, um, anyways, yeah. Yeah, it was it was me, you, my wife, Esther, and then a judge who was trying to make it a thing when we were very determined not to. She's like, do you guys have rings to exchange? We're like, no. She's like, no rings? Do you guys have vows, you want to say? We're like, no, we literally are doing this for the insurance. <laughs> It was so amazing because you could rent someone for like 30 bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't bring your own witness, they could pull some poor schmuck out of the toll booth down the street and he'd come and sign the papers. For it would have been so funny. I show up. You're like, look, dude, we chose the other guy over you. You, you look like someone we got on discount. We we're like, for 30 bucks, we get the toll booth guy, or for 12 bucks, we can get this guy named Mice in sweatpants. I nailed it, though. I made it about me, too, a little yes, bit. Yes, you did. Shocking, but that video. <laughs> Oh, like you don't make anything about you? Come on. A little I bit. I but a humble servant. <laughs> oh, bullshit. <laughs> you're like that. You're like my buddy Glenn, who everyone's like, God, he's such a good guy. Such a good guy. But then underneath it, boy, there's a competitive fucking animal. And well, they're sure. there. Yeah. 
Good argument. Yeah. <laughs> what are these glasses, by the way? You're gonna have a son. Soon. Yeah, these are these are my dad glasses. I, they're new, and it's interesting because like they're right on the brink of. I I go between hating them or being like, no, I could pull these off, and we'll we'll just see how it goes. And you always get a strong reaction one way or another. People are always like, oh, new glass, I love them, or they're like. All right, that's what we're doing now. Okay, <laughs> but you've done so many looks. I I used to do that when I was younger. I'd go through so many looks. Well, I I feel like my look in general. I've had the same haircut for probably six years. My clothes don't change drastically by season or year, and so it's like glasses are the few one of the few ways I can spice it up a little bit. But you had long hair for a I while. Long, I had long hair when I first and moved earrings. to New York. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean, when you lived in Atlanta, hot Atlanta. Yeah. You played basketball? I did. It was a different time. Man. I still play basketball, just not nearly at the same level. I mean, you're the biggest Jew I think I've ever met. Actually, I have a Jewish cousin who's 6'7". He's he's taller than you. Yeah. But you're a big motherfucking Jew. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's great. I take, I take up some space. You're like the only big Jew in the world. <laughs> How many big Jews have you met your size? My best friend is six foot eight, And he's Jewish? That guy? Eli Oderberg. <laughs> Eli Jacob Oderberg, six when, foot eight. When I, I, don't, I don't know what they're putting in the water of the Rocky Mountain Hebrew School Jewish Community Center, but dude, when you when a Jew sees another, a big Jew, we are so happy. Especially that's one as athletic as you are. Like you're like Sandy Kofi. You're like the fucking Hammer and Hank. Thanks, man. So you grew up in Denver. Yeah. You when you grew up, did you always want to play basketball? Like, why were you athletic? Like, did you did your dad get you in that shit? I mean, I, I was athletic. Because I was born athletic, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I got into sports. My dad was into sports, and all my friends were into sports. Just what we did. Grew was it always in. basketball? Yeah, I mean, soccer was my first sport. As I think it's most American kids, like when you're five, six, the first sport you get thrown into. And I and I never <laughs> could play. I wanted to play football, but I was never allowed to play football because the games were always on Shabbat <clears throat> or like in the, in September. It was always on like Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And I grew up in a religious house, so like. <laughs> I couldn't play football for Jewish reasons, and so basketball was kind of what I clung to. I mean, looking back, are you like, that was ridiculous? Looking back, I think I could have gone uh, further. Is it further or farther? I don't know. I, I could have gone uh, farther in football just because there's more roster spots. Like, I think there's a chance I could have been a Division One football player at some <laughs> position. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to a Division three basketball player that sat the bench. Well, yeah, you're but kind of- but now that my brain is fully intact, other than <laughs> from like years of drug use, I'm I'm glad that I didn't play football. Yeah. What? Um. But that's also saying that you've you never played one down in football. <laughs> Not a single. I play, You know, it's funny. I played. I played flag football at the JCC league. It was like so you dogged a-, a bunch of little Jews. So you no, think you here's, could play here's, D1? here's the worst part. My dad was the coach. It was a fourth through sixth grade league. My whole team was fourth graders. The rest of the team were like these religious sixth graders. We did not win a single game. And my dad was like the dad that would throw fits and cuss out the refs and cuss out little kids. There were other parents that would come watch my dad just because he was the entertainment. And then I swear to God, uh, last like two months ago, I had a set from Comedy Central that went online. And one of the comments in the YouTube thing was, I was on a failed flag football team with this kid. Nice to see him doing well. Are you- and, and I don't know who it was. I don't know which of my teammates from like... And he's like, your dad's way funnier than you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> your dad was one of those dads, man. That would freak it. I don't. How did you deal with that? Is that tough to deal with? It was, yeah. Because I'm sure he did it in basketball, too. 
Yeah, well, so in high school, we actually had a rule he wasn't allowed to come to my games. Because he, he was, like, too intense, so it would, like, yeah. ruin the way I played. Because, yeah, like, dude. I'd be sitting on the bench and look up at him, and he, he can't hide his emotion. Like, his face says a million He does this lip curl. Like, when my dad is about to lose his shit, you get a 10-second warning based on what his lip is doing. And so he literally, like, my mom banned him from coming to my high school basketball games. Was he like, yo, I'm gonna, I'll switch it up at all? <laughs> or was he just like, no, this is it's, who I am? It's just too ingrained in him. That is who he Why is. Why is he that competitive, you think? Was his I dad was probably just hard on him and shit? Not even. I mean, he yeah. and, and, like, he was a great dad. It's not like he was a hard-ass dad. He was still a loving dad. I wasn't scared of my dad growing up, but just in competitive aspects, he, like, can't reel it in. He can't play anything for fun. <laughs> Dude, my dad was like that. My you well, like the one game he'd go to every like six years. But he, he he was on this podcast. He goes, Andrew, I went to all your games. And, and I was like, Yeah, I was that, like, that was the fucking problem. <laughs> well, no, no, I go, Dad, you didn't go to him. You went to like none of my. He's like, I was at the ones I was at. And I was <laughs> hey, like, <laughs> give him some credit, partial credit, man. No, he was great. But yeah, you could hear him. It doesn't help, man. That fucking shit does not help. I don't know how LeBron deals with his mom at the games. <laughs> well, I, I'd like to say that I plan on being different, but I won't know until I know. You know, I'm having a son in a few months, and years from now, if he gets into sports, I'd like to imagine I learn from my father's mistakes, but I'll probably be a fucking psychopath in the stands, too. <laughs> You'll take your those glasses yeah. off when you're angry? Yeah. <laughs> the detective glasses come off. That's how he knows. Dude, I mean, that's crazy. You're going to have a son. When I met you, you were fucking... Smoke. You'll still be smoking blunts, going to no, the casino I, at I, nine in the morning. I, the the only vice I still really have is gambling. I don't I don't do drugs. I'm like pretty much sober. I'll smoke on occasion. I'll drink on occasion. But drug use is pretty much out of my life. But I'm still a sucker to the craps table <laughs> for sure. What? Uh, I mean, are you nervous? Are you scared? I mean, now you have a good job. You've made some good money in, in yeah. comedy. You can provide, which is nice. Yeah, I'm not, Some, you know, I'm not, I'm at not, least for the next four years. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> as long as Midge is ticking, I'm not scared. Uh, no, I, uh, I'm not scared for like providing purposes. I'm not scared. Like I'm in a great relationship with my wife. I think she'll be an excellent mother. I'm not, I'm not scared at the most important levels of what we can provide, but the world is incredibly unpredictable. Like first and foremost, I I'm hoping he comes out healthy and that we don't have like any lifelong, God forbid, medical things that you have to deal with, which is like an extra layer. Uh, it's not cool that there's a worldwide pandemic going on right now and she's like two months away from giving birth, but we're doing what we can. And, you know, you take it one day at a time. Yeah, you can't. You're going to have to have the baby at home. Like quarantine. Oh she wanted a home birth too. I was like, what, like in the bathtub shit? Yeah, well, you know, she likes crystals and like horoscopes <laughs> and all that shit. And I was like, please, at least for the first one, let's just have a medical professional on hand. Uh, just fucking before we go out, you'll just have the kid real quick. You'll you'll help out. You know, it's funny though. We uh, she like wanted a doula, and and I told her I was like, listen, if you want a doula, we'll get you a doula. But we met with our doctor because we just moved from California a month and a half ago, so we had to get a new doctor in New York. And when we met with the New York doctor, we were like, what are your thoughts on doulas? Will you welcome them in the room? And he's like, here's what I say. If you want to have a doula, by all means, it doesn't bother me at all. The doula's job is to make the mother comfortable and communicate on her behalf. If you two are in a good relationship and you feel good communicating on her behalf, congratulations, you're her doula. And yeah. it's like, all right, I'm Esther's doula. So. I mean, how much is a doula? I don't know. <laughs> you didn't look into it. I'll do it one weekend at the craps table. And then, yeah. <laughs> we'll see if I lose the doula in A City. Craps is your game, huh? It's the only game I play. Man, I was a blackjack. Crazy. What's the most money you've won? 
And what's the worst you've done where you're like, yo, in one, I need to get my life together? In, 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 well, it was the stock market that sent me to Gamblers Anonymous. But uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, tell that story. You made like 300 Gs off weed. Yeah, and then gave it back. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should go to a meeting or two. <laughs> uh, in one sit, like in one night, I probably won and lost close to five grand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what did like when you win five G's, you go out and purchase something right away? No, I I wait for the next day to go back to the table <laughs> with it. I mean, that's the issue. It's like I because I, I don't play for the money, obviously, I, but I'm not like playing in hopes of hitting a certain number where suddenly I'll put it in the bank or go buy a car, or pay off my mortgage. I am addicted to the thrill of being at the craps table, the <laughs> entertainment value of it. And that's that's also why I can always justify like if I go to. Vegas for a weekend and lose fifteen hundred. I'm like, well, that was fifteen hundred dollars worth of entertainment that, that yeah, I enjoyed. And we always are like, well, I lost twenty five hundred. It's not twenty or three. You always yeah, compare. And I, and I got the free hotel room, which is two hundred dollars <laughs> yeah. a night. And the so, crab I mean, legs. Listen, it cost me three hundred dollars <laughs> to go to Vegas. I'd be an asshole not to. You do. We justify all that uh, shit, dude, in our heads. Absolutely. I used to do it when I would drink so much, you know, and I'd be like, well, this is a hangovers different in you know vegas in 98 you know what do i mean you like, think you ever had a drinking problem i think i i i, I don't know i think I, I was a binge drinker so i would go and i would like i'd go on a trip or I, if i started drinking on a thursday night i'd be drinking beers like in the shower but then by monday i wouldn't drink at all and i've quit drinking uh, before beers in the shower that's fucking but you know what i mean and then it would oh, turn cool. into so you were in a fraternity yeah like, uh, <laughs> But no one. But how do you how do you justify a problem? Was I sucking dick for a fucking Jägermeister? Yes. Okay. Well, then yeah, that was step one of a drinking problem. But that was the frat. I no, was but in. honestly, you know, you know the issue. I went to Gamblers Anonymous for a little bit, and I couldn't stick with the program because I was so fucking bored by the other people in the room. Like I was too selfish to devote time to listening to their stories because they were all like addicted to scratch offs. And so not to not to diminish anyone's pain or their own struggle, of course, they were literally addicted and suffering from the same thing I was. But at the same time, I was like, come on, what are we doing here? Scratch offs fucking grow up. <laughs> yeah, but then there's someone listening to your fucking yeah, of pussy ass story. Yeah, they're like, oh, you oh. had too much fun at the crab save. Oh, you couldn't stop buying stock? Oh, I, I sold my son's sperm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He can't go to college because of me. Fucking, yeah. he just got kicked out of the dorms. I, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I lost seven grand in Vegas. I've told this story on this one, on this before, and where I playing won, blackjack. Yeah. Well, I won seven, and then I lost it all on like hookers and and. Uh, well, and no, no, no. You didn't lose it. You spent it. <laughs> There's a difference. If, if, if you lost seven grand in Vegas on hookers, then you didn't lose seven grand. You just fucked seven grand worth of hookers. There's a big difference. Let me let me change that. I lost my virginity. Okay, there <laughs> yeah, you go. You lost your dignity for seven grand, but you didn't lose seven grand. I'm still trying to get it back. That was the saddest drive back to L.A. of my life. I was like, dude. Did you truly lose your virginity to a prostitute? No, 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 oh. no, no, no. But I lost all that money. Whatever. However you want to put it, I had no money when I was going. <laughs> okay. So I had 300 left. I had 500 more to get past rent or whatever. And I was like, I'll just play this in the morning, like before you leave, to get to the rent. Yeah. And then you obviously lose the yeah, you was, You're like, listen, the seven grand I just lost because I was being a fucking asshole. But if I try... If I concentrate in the morning, obviously I'll make rent money. Dude, gambling's a fucking cra bro. I used to like I would. But it's so fun. It's so fun, dude. But That's I've been best. to a lot of casinos this year and I haven't gambled. I 
Because I go, you know, with if Nikki. I, if like, I if I work the road and there's a casino within an hour of the club, because I usually rent a car just so I can like yeah. go back and forth and go get food throughout the weekend. I know that I'm gonna be at that casino every night after the shows. Like I, I Google and see how close the nearest casino is, and if it's within an hour, I just, I like mentally accept it before I start the weekend. Where I'm like, okay, Friday and Saturday night at 3 a.m. I'll be at the craps table. <laughs> There's some characters, boy. I mean, at I, those oh, craps. oh my god, you go to these like <laughs> middle of nowhere small town, and and what's interesting is no matter where you are, no matter how shitty or nice the casino or the town. 2 a.m. Friday night, the craps table is always packed. No matter where you are, there's just a collection of sad stories. That, so it's the like crackdown. Live and like, die by the dice, baby. Two two on the hot four. Uh, Bronx Tale when they're playing in the back. Oh, Mush. What, what a great scene. Put them yes. in the bathroom. What? Um, so have you? When? Oh, so you lost in the stock market and that hit you hard. But like, like I would lose. I would. I would. Well, uh, it it hit me hard. Only because it was money, I could have literally changed my life with it. I won, but I will say I didn't like go into debt losing money. It's I put ten grand into weed stocks that over time because I used to day trade for a hedge fund, so like I know how to read the charts. So it wasn't like I put it in and then it just went boom. It was like over the course of weeks, I was buying, selling, buying, selling at the right times, and that ten grand turned into close to three hundred grand. And then I got so addicted to the buying and selling that I bought a lot at the wrong time when it all went boom. And it was gone. So yes, I lost three hundred grand, but it wasn't. I didn't go into the whole three hundred grand. I just lost what I had made, which and, which sucks. But then, of course, you go through like this period of reflection of like what you would have done with the money. Like there was a time after it happened where I was literally fantasizing about owning a hot dog stand in New York. Where I was just like, wait, for, what? Well, I, I was just like thinking of well, all the could. like all the <laughs> random shit I could have done with the money, and yeah. I and I'd like go buy a dollar fifty hot dog and be like. I could have fucking owned this hot dog truck if I wasn't such an asshole. For three hundred grand, this could be mine. You never realize what your deepest fantasies are until you lose all the money that could have bought Bro, them. I lost everything, but like I, I went in debt. You know that's the difference. So when you had the three hundred grand, if you lose all that, you don't owe the taxes ever on the three hundred. Well, part of the losing was like it was over the course of a calendar year. Like it had gone from December over through to February, I believe, and so I paid taxes. Like my dad is an accountant, and so he knew what I had made on the stock. So I paid, I think, sixty or seventy oh, grand okay. in taxes set aside, which also ate into the chunk. Oh, you wanted to get into that sixty seventy? Oh man, think of how many <laughs> hot dog stands I could be. A, I could be a fucking hot dog tycoon, bro. I had so many quick rich schemes that just failed. What's the worst? Oh man, but I didn't really put that much money because I grew that. Like I grew up hustling. Like I yeah. in fourth grade. I made three hundred dollars enough to buy my own drum set. Where this was—you remember when you would buy CDs and then you could record them onto cassette tapes? Yeah. Like if you hit record on the cassette player. So I, my parents didn't give a fuck. I could buy all the CDs that other kids wouldn't, their parents wouldn't let them listen to. And so I had like Green Day and Nirvana and all that shit, and I would record it onto cassettes and sell the cassettes for five bucks at school. Like I, I I've always had little shady. You ever sell weed? <laughs> I gave that up last week. No, yeah, yeah. I, no, I sold Just weed. Start, boy. You're having a son. You I need that money, yeah. bro. I sold weed in some capacity from the age of like 14 till 28. So you went from cassettes. What was in? What? That's the gateway drug to weed. What was in between weed and cassettes? Uh, car washes. That's not really. That's not. That's not anything shady. But like we would do the neighborhood car washes. Yeah. Walk door to door with the bucket. They'd provide the hose, of course. Uh, what else? I worked at an ice cream store 
and I'm sure there were several scoops that weren't rung up legit, <laughs> but but that wasn't so much of like you were eating them? a hustle. Yeah. <laughs> what, oh what, my god, there's nothing better than working in an ice cream <laughs> store in a cold city because we would get so fucking high in the wintertime and then just eat all the ice cream because no one's coming for ice cream in Denver, Colorado in the winter. Oh, yeah. So you just have the whole store to yourself? Yeah. Fucking, but all you got in there is like butter pecan. Or oh, no, no, no. no yeah, everything. This was, oh, it was amazing. <laughs> what? Uh, so walk me through like, so you started smoking. I mean, the day you start selling weed, that's like, especially when you're a 15 year old Jewish kid, like that's a big deal. Like you could get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, but like, well, so, so it graduated. Like I wasn't, I was never trying to be Scarface. I wasn't trying to be Kingpin. So like all through high school. Basically, I was buying the bulk weight to sell to my friends, so I was basically smoking for free. Like, I wasn't concerned with making money so much as I was concerned with just not spending money on smoking weed. So it's like one of those things where you buy the ounce, and then you sell dime sacks or 20 sacks out of it. And then little by little, the ounce becomes a quarter pound. And then, like, by the time you get to college, you're selling pounds. And then... I and then when I graduated from college, I started growing weed, and and that's when it was like, okay, th- this is a legit operation. <laughs> but I stopped all that once I uh, started teaching elementary school. <laughs> so <laughs> eventually, I got my priorities in line. Did you stop right away? I did. I did. Noah. Uh, there's a couple months here and there. There was a math unit here or there that may have been when I was teaching fractions. There may have been Look, a little bit. The trees bit were was, already grown. Yeah. It's not your fault. What can I do? No, but you always showed ambition, bro. Yeah, like for real. Like sure. to be a fucking big weed dealer, you got to be ambitious. Like the same brain is the same one that's day trading and shit. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, and and that's the thing is like craps gambling selling weed none of it is about like making the ultimate amount of money it's all about like doing the math in my head i'm addicted to having like an active mind that's calculating and figuring out how i can turn this into this and again not so like i can buy a fur coat but so i can just (laughs) you look good in a fur though Uh, wouldn't i with these glasses come on have you ever been arrested yeah what happened can Uh, you talk about it yeah i mean (laughs) i'm not i'm not on the run uh i got so i was I got pulled over in Tennessee driving from Atlanta to Indianapolis. I got pulled over in Tennessee with weed in my car. And they found the weed uh, and they wrote me a ticket. So I wasn't like they How put, old are you at this point? Are you still dealing at this point? Or you, No, this uh, was, I, I wasn't, uh, eh, <laughs> not really, but like, like the weed they found was just smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't okay. like going okay. to do anything with gotcha. it. Um, and me? they put me in cuffs, but then ultimately just gave me a ticket. And I thought I was scot-free. And and it was like a small possession ticket. So it was one of those things where I actually had to go back to Tennessee to go to court and appear. But I still thought, I was like, worst case scenario, I'm paying like a $500 fine. Fucking Tennessee put me on probation for a year where I was getting drug tested for a year, had a parole officer that I had to check in with. And for an entire year, anytime they called me, and they could call me anytime I had 24 hours to get to an on-site drug test, no matter where I was. Jesus. And and so that happened. And ultimately, all they want is your money. Yeah. And so it's like... And they think you'll fuck up. Right, because th- there's like... They give you a year's worth of payment plans to pay your fees and then pay the drug test and all that. And so I think four months in, I paid off all my penalties, right? I just gave them a lump sum of probably like sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars $1,700. With weed money. <laughs> no, with elementary school. No. Uh, with kids' lunch money. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they stopped testing me. And so I got cocky and I started smoking again. And then I got pulled over in New York. 
uh, with weed in my car again. And luckily, New York and Tennessee do not communicate because it would have been a, viral, a violation yeah, yeah. of my parole. But um, luckily, Tennessee never found out about it. Um, and then my case got dismissed in New York because it was just a small possession case. And, and then Tennessee never heard about it or bothered me again. And one of the 12 months were up, that got so you never arrested. spent the night in jail? Never spent the night in jail. In New York, they did detain me. I was in the holding cell for eight hours while they like ran my info to make sure I wasn't wanted for anything else. And again, thank God Tennessee didn't pop up. <laughs> Listen, very for, in all seriousness, if I'm not a white guy, I would have been going to jail for, yeah. for God knows what. Like If I'm not a white guy, I'm sure they would have somehow found out I violated my parole. I'm sure I would not have gotten my case erased in New York so easily. So like, it's not lost on me that white privilege absolutely played a part in my brushes with the legal system ending all fine. What are you running for mayor over here? Yeah, well, again, these are these glasses are versus. No one nasty yeah. with it. So no, black but, or white. Well, thing. No, you know why? No, it's like know, when I you know. talk about it, I I would feel bad just so casually being like, yeah, I've been arrested twice, and here I am laughing about it. Yeah. It's like it does. Of no. course, I'm I'm grateful that it happened the way it did, but I'm also not blind to the fact that it happened that way because I'm a white guy. Yeah, I feel you on that. I think uh, so. Then I mean, so you quit weed, then you start. Working element. How long were you a teacher? Well, I didn't quit smoking weed when I was a teacher. No, 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 no. But you quit selling it. Took a break. You got a nice little glass of water. Yeah. So no, so you start so you stop selling the weed, but now you're an English teacher. That's uh, not really that no, thrilling. I was a fourth grade teacher. I had to teach all subjects. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> which is way more of a nightmare <laughs> than just being a one subject teacher. I wish I was an English teacher. What made you want to be a teacher? lack of direction it's not that i wanted to be a teacher i did teach for america so i figured it was like while i figure out what i want to do this is at least a good cause i thought it would be nice to give back teach kids in an underprivileged area i figured like while i figure it all out this is something useful for society and also will be interesting for me how old are you at this point uh i am 28 at oh, this point so you're so oh so you're working as a day trader before that yeah you were selling the weed so you're like yo i need to change my life up yeah, but it wasn't even thing? that. It wasn't oh, like no. I looked in the mirror and was like, I got to clean up. I'm going to give back to the kids. It was just kind of oh, like, yeah, the- I'm fucking sick of jacking off and smoking weed all day. Maybe I'll teach fourth grade. So, so I, uh, Maybe I'll jack off in a school. No, 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 no. Don't cross those paths. Because um, you're a white man. Yeah. No, so yeah. And, so then I, you- and I, I hated teaching. Yeah, dude, Hated it's gotta it. be the worst. It, it's it's the most thankless, difficult job, and I can't even imagine what it's like to teach right now with the technology. Like, I taught right before cell phones became the absolute norm for everyone and every kid. Like, I I can't imagine the teaching the kids that I had to teach if they had cell phones. Are they allowed to have on. cell phones in the classroom? I mean, who knows? But yeah. you think you think they're not going to have them just because they're not allowed? Or maybe it's great to be a teacher now. You just have them look down at like no. you know when you have like a six year old who no won't shut was, the fuck up. T- and and I actually I liked. I'm glad I taught at the school I taught at. I'm glad I worked with the kids that I worked with. Um, but just in general, teaching was a pain in the ass that I knew I was not going to make a career out of. So I stopped teaching, and that's kind of when I went back to full throttle comedy. And two years later, moved to New York and. The rest is kind of history. So you were. So how long? So in between teaching though and doing comedy, what were you doing? Just you just had some money saved up. No, that's when. Uh, oh, you selling were weed and oh, day okay. trading. So I, I actually was supposed to teach before I went to day trading. I was supposed to teach. I got accepted to teach for America, and they have a really, really rigorous five-week process in the summer school where they make you teach summer school to be certified to teach the next year, and you have to complete the five weeks in the summer. That summer, my mom died. 
and I needed a week to sit Shiva, and they wouldn't give me that week off. So I was like, fuck this, I'm leaving the program, and I just didn't teach that year. So then, because my mom died, I thought I was going to be teaching, and I was suddenly unemployed, and that's when I got hired to day trade for the hedge fund because my buddy worked at the hedge fund. He was crushing it for them, and they were like, do you have anyone you think that would be good at this? And he recommended me. And they specifically like people without finance backgrounds, so you didn't have your own preconceived notion on like what the market's supposed to do. So they trained me Some to trade. room shit, right? Yeah, but, but yeah, nothing yeah. shady. You didn't get to hear Series 7? No, because we, oh. we didn't have clients. We weren't trading on behalf of anyone. Oh, there, was just, one oh, okay. there was one billionaire who basically had other people trading his money in the fund. So like we weren't beholden to investors' gotcha. interests. Um, yeah. And so I did that for the year. And, I, and even though I loved it, I knew the gambler inside of me. I was like, this is not a healthy lifestyle. So I was like, I cannot continue to day trade and keep my sanity. And that's when, so since I had already been accepted to teach for America, I went back the next year. So then you go back. Now you're doing com- comedy, though. It's like a different kind of gamble, right? It doesn't feel you don't get those you get those highs and those lows, but there's no money aspect. It, Literally, it, there's mean, no it, money. There's I, there's no money until there's a lot of money. Yeah. So, well, so for literally less than point oh five percent. Yes, like anyone watching that's aspiring to be a comic, I would say don't. <laughs> but like, but there is no, and now more than ever there is money in comedy, but only to a select few, and it takes a long time to get there. But I would say, like, comedy, day trading, sports, all of my passions and hobbies, there's a lot of overlap between my approach to it. There's, like, a practice and a discipline and a passion you have to have for it to want to do it because you want to do it regardless of the outcome. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'll, I really have always admired that about you because, like, you do have a presence to you and, and a confidence and, and a work ethic that all comes together and... and I mean, that's why you were able to succeed in this city pretty quickly. I mean, Thank but, you. It, but you know, it's just because you're tall. Is what yeah, I'm saying. That's you're all the big-ass yeah. Jew. No, but, like, it is. Like, it, 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 like, you make people want to write more and write better. Thanks. I really do feel that way. So what the fuck is going on with you then? I don't know, I'm man. Just joking. I don't know, bro. I just do act. You know, I just fucked the stool. <laughs> <laughs> but it's gotten you. It's gotten you puddles, baby. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, I don't know. I feel like if my fi- my fifteen and twenty right now is insanely tight. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let me like, let me ask you this. Yeah. So you're now doing something I've never done, which is like opening for someone really big and being put in a position to ultimately and that's not to take away from your jokes. You are a funny dude, you got great stuff. But like you're now performing for crowds that are there so excited to see you, so excited to see Nikki. 
Like, is there any way you're not going to do well? Like, how honest do you think the gauge is on the jokes you're telling versus them just being a theater packed full of people excited to see exactly who they're going to see? I mean, you can't really, like, gauge that other than if you do sets here in the city. And right, so how yeah. how are your sets comparing? Oh, I'm terrible here. Are you no, eating, no, no. Are I'm you eating shit when you come back? No, no. You know what it is though is like I do think I agree with you there, but there's also with Nikki's crowds, there's fifth. Like yes, a lot of people know who I am. A lot, like a lot of people don't know who I am there. Okay. And then also a lot of people don't know who Nikki is, and they're just brought there. Really? I, yeah, I really do still going feel to that theater way. shows. I'm telling you, dude. The girls will bring their boyfriends. Oh, okay. And I. And uh, so I don't know the exact answer to that. I'm not trying to like justify how how good I am now. Or is there's de- you're definitely getting judged on a nice curve, for sure. Yeah, and, and that that wasn't even I wasn't insinuating that like you're not earning the laughs you're getting. Yeah. I'm saying I'm literally I've never that that's feels, one thing in comedy I've never done. It feels fucking fantastic because you go out there. For all that said, yes, I do feel like I I come out. I'll hear puddles or I'll hear and like right away you're like oh. I don't have to do the song and dance up top. So are you anymore. are you more nervous now doing twenty minutes in front of fifteen hundred people at a Nikki show <laughs> or like doing eight minutes in a fucking bar show in Brooklyn where eight it's gonna be brutal? That's more nerve wracking for eight, you. Yeah. Yeah. At first it was isn't, isn't at that first funny it wasn't how that happens. Though. At first it wasn't. When I would when I did the Wilbur for the first time, I was fucking freaking out you get the pre-show poops oh dude i get this (laughs) all the time dog i got it before i did this podcast you know i just like (laughs) shitting really no but like yeah no dude i was like i i you don't know until you know right and then once once i did two theater shows i was like oh okay (laughs) like like i look forward to normal bro i did houston a thousand people at house of blues on friday night i swear to god i opened with two new bits like okay. that's like the kind of confidence I got going who right you, now. Let me. Who do you think you are? I have no <laughs> idea, bro. Nikki asked me, "How did the new bits go?" They went really well, but they're yeah. like topical stuff. Like it was a coronavirus. Oh thing. yeah, you've got the definitive <laughs> Corona chunk. What's the Andrew Collin angle on Corona that's gonna fucking <laughs> what is <laughs> solve it? Everyone? Is it in the beer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. More no. like Budweiser virus. <laughs> oh, puddle. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking Zima. All right. Anyways, but yeah, dude. Fucking uh I don't know. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. It's like a whole nother thing. But yeah, I do get very you know where my jokes do well still at the stand, like on nights when I don't have a show, you know, so um but I do feel like some of my comedy I've done like some Brooklyn bar shows and I do like this whole bit about like liking to fuck a girl when she's dry and like how I like it dry. And like people get like if I say I want a girl dry, like don't like be like, oh, but in, on like on the road in like a club crowd, they like think they get that it's just I'm fucking around. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Ohio, they love dry pussy, but not in Brooklyn. Baby. No, what is that? I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's fucking the best, though. It's like I have an insane life. We're both writers now. Yeah. You know, I mean, you write for a award winning show, like similar kind of shows. Yeah, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> I mean, so then you come here, though, you come to the city, and you fucking, you get, I mean, you you skyrocketed pretty quickly in whatever this world is. Like, you, I, you, you got your special, you got what? How did it start? How did, what was the first thing you got when you moved to New York? JFL. JFL. After and how many years being here? One. I one year. Right. First year. Yeah. Nice. Um, I mean, I I was very fortunate in that Rebecca Trent 
and Andy Samford were two people that were really good to me when I first moved. So Andy is a comedian that was in Atlanta with me for years, who was well-respected by the time I got up here, so he was a quick vouch where, I mean, when you come to New York, you're going to eat shit and sit the bench for the first year, six months regardless. So, like, you know, most people move here after being the man in their town, and I had just left Atlanta as, like, one of the big dogs in Atlanta yeah. and came up here and couldn't get a spot for the first six months. But because I had good chops from Atlanta. Like after I stopped teaching, I did the road for two or three years where I was just featuring across the country, driving 10 hours, sleeping on couches to break even, lose money on gas just to get my time up. So by the time I got up to New York and people were finally giving me spots, I had a lot of time and a lot of really good flushed out jokes. So like, I think I made an impression quickly. Um, what, um, I mean, yeah, you, you definitely had, like incredible like i don't know i'm trying to think about like the first time i saw you do stand up i don't i don't really i mean i'm not a perf like i've i've gotten better at being a performer if you will like i'm comfortable enough on stage now and i enjoy doing stand up enough where like i can have a good time and not be the robot that i once was but still anyone who's a fan of mine is going to be a fan of my jokes as they're written like no one's ever going to be like yo watch Noah. <laughs> yeah. he's hilarious they'll be like no listen to <laughs> yeah. Noah. And so that, you know, it's like everyone has different ways of doing comedy, different styles, and mine is much more of just, like, tightly written jokes. So then you get JFL, you get your, then you get a manager and agent from that? Just a manager. Uh, I didn't get an agent from JFL. But you I know I still don't have an agent or manager? Isn't that hilarious? Well, you you say isn't that hilarious, and I can hear the pain behind the question. No, no, there's not, there's <laughs> not pain. Like, I swear to God, there's not pain. Isn't that hilarious, a.k.a. A.k.a. <laughs> cry little baby bitch. Uh... I mean, I'm I'm surprised. I'm not trying to make this about me. The, I didn't no, mean, no, 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 no. Yeah. The only reason I'm surprised you don't have a manager or agent is because you actually have stuff going on for you where you're making money, and typically agents come when there's money <laughs> to be I'm made. That's what I'm saying. But <laughs> at the same time, you're making money without them, so why are you looking for someone to give 10% to? Like, if you did it without an agent, then you've gotten this far. Yeah. You know. I think in a year I'm going to want a booking agent of some sort to yeah. book this. But sure. So anyway, so you get a manager, you come back from JFL, and then and then I get I audition for Guy Code on MTV. Yeah, remember that juggernaut of a program. Uh, they saw me at JFL and they asked me to audition. I book Guy Code. I get booked for all twelve episodes of the season. I'm so excited. I tell all my friends. I tell all my family. Three episodes in, they call my manager, fire me, say they're not airing any of my episodes. What happened? They said that I was too low energy. And it wasn't like interacting well with the rest of the cuts on the show. Like my pace and my style. But that style would didn't stand fit. out. And well, so here's the thing. First of all, I actually have no ill will towards MTV. Like the people I've worked with <laughs> were good to me and owed me nothing. So it's not like they fucked me over. The only reason <laughs> I was upset was A, they saw my comedy, which was low energy, which they auditioned me off of. I auditioned low energy. And at no point in the three <laughs> episodes that I filmed were they like, hey, can you. Uh, Pick it up a little, like, <laughs> they, they, it'd be some asshole behind the camera, like, this is great. Good yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. so, like, I thought I was killing it, and then I made the fatal mistake that you learn in show business, don't tell people until it's literally on the air. Because yeah. I had so many people that I then had to be like, yeah, well, uh, you know how that guy. So, anyway, that, that was like, life. Yeah. that was my first loss after I never knew wins. about that loss. Yeah. Um, Did you, <laughs> that's so funny, they never told you to, like. Switch yeah. it up or whatever. It's like yeah. the jokes are there. I can talk louder. And, and then after that, it was like a year of 
just trying to climb the scene in New York where I didn't have any money coming in. I wasn't feeling great about myself professionally. You just had money saved up from prior life or like yeah, whatever. Yeah. So and and I was like, I was like just getting by. Oh, honest, you know what I was doing at that time though for a lot of money is I was uh, doing Jewish gigs. I had okay. like a whole separate hour that I wrote for Jewish crowds. So I was doing like the Hillels <laughs> and the JCCs and the Federations. Had the Bubbles trying to set me up with their daughters from fucking Raleigh to Poughkeepsie. Uh, and then and then I got last comic standing and I made the semifinals on that and I thought that was going to get me an agent and I thought I was like oh this is amazing it's NBC it's it's a network television and it got me like 12 Twitter followers <laughs> you know like it was a great experience yeah. again grateful to the program but didn't do anything for my career and that's when I was kind of fucking bummed out because that's when I was like, all right, I did JFL two years ago, so it felt like too long ago to feel relevant. I've been fired from one TV show, <laughs> made it kind of far on another, didn't, didn't do anything for my career, still don't have an agent. My manager is like getting agents leading her on. They're, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we like his stuff. And then it leads to nothing. And so uh, that, was, that was kind of a downer year for me. And then I got Adam Devine's house party. And... And I kind of crushed that recording, and that made them want to do an album with me. And so I did the album with Comedy Central, and I got the half hour that same year. And that's when everything started rolling. And then once I had the half hour, that's when an agent pulled pulled the trigger. I actually got an agent. And then once I had a booking agent, I started headlining. And then from there, the ball just gets rolling. I remember I watched that half hour with you at oh, that that's house. Right. That's right. It was that me, nice you, and Will Winter. And it's like... It's like the greatest night of my life, accomplishment-wise. We're trying to watch myself on TV, and this drunk girl oh. comes in the middle and starts asking us questions. I like had to pause myself on TV and be like, "Look at the TV." What's it like here. to do stand up? Yeah, like, oh my god, this fucking asshole, dude. I mean, and so then you get the agent, and then how do you get the writing gig at, at Maisel? Then I mean, that's like well, a comedy knockout was first. Oh yeah, and. And this is actually... Where uh, I write is those same people. Yes. They're MCU. awesome. Celeste. Al Allison Cohn, uh, who I will always be indebted to, just took a chance on me and booked me as a panelist on Comedy Knockout when I really had no credits or anything to justify it. And on Comedy Knockout, the writers provide the panelists with jokes that they can choose to or write their own jokes. I didn't know that they provided us with jokes. So like two nights before I was set to appear, they sent us the packet and the packet they sent had joke examples. I didn't realize those were the jokes I could choose from. And so I wrote all my own jokes. And apparently I was the only panelist who had done that to date because it was the first season. And I won my episode using my jokes. Yeah. And so that's what made them open up their eyes to me. And they hired me as a writer for the next season. And then I started appearing. And and so that was that. But uh, Maisel, I got off of my Comedy Central half hour because they wanted to stand up in the room. And so my agent sent them my stand-up to just, which was enough to get me an interview. And then from there, uh, when I when I met the Paladinos, we talked for like two hours. They sent me the pilot script. I read it, had a lot of thoughts on it, and we just like, we just jived in the room. It was like it's the greatest life-altering, career-altering thing I've had, and I didn't have to submit a writing sample for it. 
Like I'd, I'd written. Well, your writing sample was your half hour. And you're yeah, I guess. But for, it's like yeah. I, I had submitted for so many Comedy Central. I've probably done 30 packets and made it to the second or final yeah. round and didn't get hired. I've written a spec script. I've written an original pilot. I've done so much writing that led to nothing. And then the one actual writing job I got, I didn't have to submit any written material. They're before. like, it's a Jewish show. Your last name's Garden Swartz. You yeah, got the job. You're the Oh, you're the Jewish guy that does comedy. <laughs> yeah, you can work here. I'm Jewish. They're like, you fucking stool. You're not writing for us. <laughs> fucking, I mean, that's got to be an insane experience, though. I mean, you've never been changer. in a writer's that, that room. That was a game changer. I, or no, not like a that kind of show. You know yeah, what I mean? I honestly like, don't know that I'd be married with a kid on the way if it wasn't for Maisel right now. Because it just, it just led to a level of stability in my life that I had never experienced that made everything else fall into place i remember when you it's funny i like remember these milestones we were we were eating avocado toast and at Patanga, Patanga, yeah, Patanga uh. or whatever with the uh with the acai bowl and you're like yeah i'm writing for this show it's like kind of the story of joan rivers i remember you telling me i was like you think it's I and it's like gonna, I would have described it as that. You're like, whatever, it's some but, shitty but, show, but, some, yeah. a horrible actress, uh, you know. Yeah, definitely like, wouldn't <laughs> describe it as that. Rachel Brosnahan is a national treasure, okay? <laughs> but yes, I was no, but you, I remember. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know what it was either. I know. I remember when my agents called and told me that I got the job. I was more concerned with like a script we had sent to Kevin Hart's LOL Network. For I like remember ten, that, dude. For like ten minute webisodes, so I was like. Oh, I got the job on Maisel? Cool. <laughs> you know, what's up with my LOL Well, pitch? you wanted to be black for since you were four years old. True. I mean, I'd trade it all right now for 10 <laughs> minutes on LOL. No. Um, just to be <laughs> Kevin Hart to say, just to give you a little dab. Um, what, um, what's it like? So you're working in this writing room. When did you feel like you had a hit show? Because this show fucking... Like it took off. Like shows don't take off like this anymore. Like I, Fleabag might have, but I, but I, not like you know. I mean, I didn't know we had a hit until we literally had a hit according to the awards. Like I knew I was gonna like it. You know, like as we're writing it and as we're filming, I'm like, oh, this could be cool for the cult following of 60 year old Jewish women that I think are gonna watch this show. <laughs> My mom. Exactly. I was yeah. like, oh, Jewish women across the country are gonna love this show. <laughs> awesome. And then for it to have transcended age, race, religion the way it did and kind of take off, um, I was very pleasantly surprised. And, Dude, it's insane. And now we're just trying to ride the wave. Now you're what, on the fourth season? We're starting fourth season in a few weeks. It's weird. I'm like the one Jewish comedian you know that I haven't been called for a small part as a waiter maybe, you know? Don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> they, I was the best man at your they, wedding. You, you know, <laughs> yeah, sweatpants <laughs> McGee over here. They, I've, I've been on one episode, and they, I did remember, it, and they did you it your almost beard. as a punishment to me. They did it just to fuck with me because they made me shave my beard, and they know how much I hate my unbearded face. <laughs> I hate my unbearded face. Why do you hate yours as much as maybe we have? Because the same... I have three chins, so much skin. Beard. I have so much skin I have on my the, face. I look like the fattest twelve-year-old. <laughs> My cheeks get puffier. My neck gets flabbier. It's disgusting. Like, I I don't even shave ever anymore, but I used to. I used to do, like, a once-a-year shave. Yeah. Where like, from, from Christmas to New Year's, I would just shave it all off, and then I just wouldn't leave the house for six days. <laughs> and, like, I wouldn't let Esther see me. I would just. Why do we I would go into. I would. So much, I would go man. into coronavirus self quarantine just for shaving my. Well, face. you're supposed to shave your beard if you have corona. Or to I shave would rather. Corona. I would rather have coronavirus <laughs> than shave my beard. Bro, I have so much skin from my nose to my lip, and I have no idea until yeah. I shave. And Ugh. like, there's some people they shave the their beard, and it's like. 
uh, like they don't know. But like when I do it, people are like, "Yo, I think I think there are plenty of guys who don't have beards who look normal because that's just how you know them." I can't think of anyone who I've known. Oh, that's had a beard. Having for, a beard yeah. and then seeing them without a beard and be like, oh, that was a good decision. Never. I don't think guys ever look better after No, we just shave. have to look good within three inches, right? Yeah. I got nice eyes. That's all I need. Sure. My hair's receding, though. It's fucking disgusting. Are you on pills for it? No. I don't. I mean, I got trouble enough with my cock as it is. <laughs> you don't want to. Okay. <laughs> I fucking. You know what's hard, dude? Reverse cowgirl, boy. Why? For me, at least. I, and you got to be hard as fuck. You gotta be the. That's the one position you gotta be the hardest for. Them, also, them I might on need top facing away. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, when I, they're on top facing me, I'm fine. I just need another maybe seven inches of cock or something. For <laughs> I'm like, stay close, just, stay close, <laughs> stay here. <laughs> I got. I hold their hips. They're like, oh, he's really into me. No, I just gotta keep it close. They, they've got to do the seventh grade grind dance. They 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 can't go up at all. They just have to rotate from side to there's, side. Yeah, there's no up and down, boy. Hilarious, dude. I fucking um, yeah. I mean. Do you, um, so now you're married with a kid? Smooth transition. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's crazy right now because I'm I'm actually like, you know, I well, was kind of asexual I, since the day yeah. you met me. Yeah. And now I'm like the most sexual man on earth. Do you feel like now, are you still like sexual? And like, I guess you can't, Am I still you can't sexual? like ask yeah, a married I mean, man, like, no. you missed that strange pussy. Yeah, <laughs> do I still have sex? Yeah, I fuck my wife. She's pregnant. That's how, there's only one way. Well, not only one way, but um, yeah, we don't have a lot of sex now that she's seven months pregnant, but I am a still, I'm still a sexually active man. Still that's that what you're though. asking. But, but before we got married and before. Like it, it took me a long time to get used to not sleeping around with different women. Once I went into a monogamous relationship with her, yeah, yeah, it's a big transition. I don't know. I'm so into women now. I don't know what it is like sexually. But you're, like but you're late. late bloomer sexually. So late, because I think I just had so much anxiety about diseases and shit. Do you think that's what it was, or do you think you just lacked the self confidence to get laid both. before you actually had shit going on? In your <laughs> both, life? both. Because I'm still striking out on real world. Are you like on Raya or like on dating well, apps? Instagram is where it's at, boy. So, do you feel good about what's going on with you sexually right now, or like, are yeah, you, or do. are you filling a void with sexual experiences that, like, at the end of the day, three a.m., you get up to wash your dick off, look in the mirror, and you're like, "What am I doing?" Hmm. Good question. I think I I honestly am just enjoying it. Maybe that will end. No, as you should. If you're if you're gonna live this lifestyle, you should have fun with it while you do. Yes. I will say that. And I've met some great women. Like I don't and it's not like and, and I'm they, sober and too. So they, it's like I'm not like And do all the women know what it is going into it? Like oh, yeah. you're you're not leading girls on into thinking that they're gonna be Mrs. Puddles or not at all. Okay. Like Nikki will literally say you should fuck Andrew, but you're not gonna he's not gonna date you. Oh, she's wingman in Oh, she wingman's on. And then Solid. Like I'll I'll feel used. Like a girl came over the other day, we had sex, and uh and she's like, All right. And I she started putting on her clothes. I was like, You're not gonna like hang out with me? <laughs> like we're not gonna <laughs> talk at all. She's like she's, uh, she's like, Why? That was the worst reverse cowgirl <laughs> I've ever had. Why the fuck do you want me to hang out? Why were you on top? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why your legs were behind your head the whole time. Why the fuck would I stick around? <laughs> 
<laughs> I was talking to Ari about it when you 69 a girl, but if you're on top, it's just <laughs> it's so much more of a fucking. <laughs> I can say I I've had a very active sexual life. I've never been on top. Well, you're a fucking a monster. Yeah, 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 you would kill a woman, <laughs> bro. I did it in college. It was the only time my girlfriend ever did blew she, me. <laughs> did she request it? No, I think I was. Just, How does that happen? I How do know. you go about becoming the top of a sixty-nine, uh, bro? I don't know. I just remember like I went down on her thousands of times, and she blew me one time. We were sixty-nine. Oh, you're not joking. That's and, truly and the I was only on time. She yeah, blew the you. only time. I mean, there was nowhere else for my dick so to go. So when, when you go down a thousand times and don't get blown at all, you didn't broach the subject with you her? You would think I would have, but she was breaking up with me 900 times. Oh, okay. So it was like I was always so on eggshells. So you would eat her pussy to get her back? Oh, yeah, through the jeans. I would. <laughs> I ate her out with her jeans I, on. I I'm not even kidding. I can't imagine why this relationship didn't work. <laughs> I ate through the denim. I don't even have strong teeth. I don't know how it happened. A yeah. little OTB lick job. So OTP. what are you gonna name your son? <laughs> I, love I am not about to break that news on puddles. I'll tell you that much. If, if my fucking dad found out that the world knew the name before him because I was on Andrew Collins' podcast, <laughs> he'd be he'd, so happy. He'd circumcise me a second time. Fucking dude. No, we have the name. It's a solid name. Yeah, I'm sure. Very Jewish. I could, there's there's nowhere I could, get, I could probably guess. I mean, it's, it. you got Noah and Esther as the parents, so there's not a lot of wiggle room. Yeah, all that's left is Moses. <laughs> yeah, fucking. I feel like is it old biblical? I I won't I won't get in. We don't have to get into that. So then, so now you're writing for Maisel. Now this is the thing though that I think about with you sometimes. You're writing for Maisel. You're making a great living. All that shit. Did you get in the stand up though to be like Richard Pryor? Or did you get into no. stand-up to just have a make a living off being creative and eventually making your own shows and shit? Like neither. I I got into stand-up to be a writer when I first like when I first started doing stand-up. I actually hated being on stage. Yeah. My goal was to get discovered so I could write for someone else. And then through the process of the amount of years it took to even get discovered, I just became comfortable on stage, became comfortable with my own voice, and then learned to enjoy writing for myself. And I learned to enjoy performing. But I never got into stand-up with the, these, like, delusions of grandeur where I would, like, be this huge touring comedian. And I also didn't get into writing thinking I would ever achieve to the level of creating my own show. So it's like I just continue to move the goalpost as I achieve certain things. So it's like what I've already done in my career is far beyond what I would have realistically expected even if you asked me to paint the wildest picture of what I could get out of stand-up. So now... I'm enjoying everything I'm doing. I'm trying to do it to the highest of my abilities and then trying to do it bigger and better moving forward. So, like, now that I am a touring headliner, I would like to start doing what Nikki's doing in a few years. And I would love to one day be touring theaters for people that are there to see me as opposed to doing funny bones for people yeah. who just wanted to see comedy. And then you got to write certain kind of jokes. Yeah, and then... Like I love writing for Maisel. One day I would love to create my own show, but and hire but me. No, but absolutely not. Why I'm, not? I'm, Trust we, me, we wouldn't bro. get anything done. What do you mean? You don't take me seriously. I do. You're not pre much. you're pretty funny, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're actually no, funny. You're, yeah, you're, you're actually, actually funny. No, but I'm saying though, like you don't think I'd be good in a writer's room on a show? It depends entirely on the show. <laughs> What kind of show? Do you no, I'm I'm serious. It's yeah. like it, if I was writing a show about like football, the real estate collapse of Florida, and, and yeah. some Jewish scumbag who, then yeah, I'd fucking have you write it all. Oh, yeah, but let's write it. 
No, I mean, <laughs> listen, I... I'm fucking around. I'm just putting you on the spot. But I do feel like, though, that sometimes that, like, the writer comedians, I guess, per se, like, I sometimes feel like I'm not taken seriously, but sometimes I feel like I put that on myself because I act so silly. Well, let me ask you this. Who gives a shit? Well, like, I'm, who who are you trying to be taken seriously by that's going to affect what you're doing? You're already in a writer's room. You're touring as a stand-up. Oh, so. I'm with you on that. I'm just saying throughout. I'm. This is all, like, past shit that sure. would go through my head. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to bring it up now, like, oh, I can't believe you don't take me seriously. But I do still think, like, I mean, that still does, I, to be completely, yeah, shit like that still, like, that shit could get to you if you don't think someone respects your comedy. or like, Well, that that's, like, the, the irony of comedy like think about that sense, and, and you're not wrong yeah people want to be taken seriously in their profession but to be like i want to be taken seriously <laughs> in comedy yeah. is such a juxtaposition to begin with so it's like a weird position to be in because it's like take me seriously as the clown okay <laughs> i respect you puddles <laughs> like <laughs> what do we i just do? want my father <laughs> i i sometimes i am i am proud to see how well you're doing now like you've also had a rapid ascension there were there were years where it got pretty dark for you. And, <laughs> yeah, boy. And it was still enjoyable to be your friend. You were always a good guy and funny to me, but you weren't in the best place in life. So I've been I've been happy to see everything that's happened for you over the last year or two. Yeah, dude. It's, it's I still don't respect you or take you seriously, but I'm happy for you. Yeah, man. That's all I'm looking for. The happiness. You know, pal? <laughs> you know, buddy? God, do I hate that shit. Yeah, what's your problem with that? Because I, I think that's a chip on the shoulder type yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You think it's disrespect when someone I calls think you, you do it. I think you do it in a way of power. <laughs> like you go, what I forget what I was like, oh, congr- I don't know, congrats on uh getting uh an, a grant, not a grant. What the fuck did you get? An Emmy. Emmy. And you're like, "Oh, thanks, pal." Or "Thanks, buddy." Thanks, buddy. You sure. No, but buddy, from you, you, I just feel like it's like, buddy, like, hey, one day you might get an Emmy, too, you little bitch. (laughs) Wow, you are really reading into that one. (laughs) There's nothing about buddy that implies that one day you... (laughs) You, pal, will get an Emmy. For the record, I I don't have an Emmy. The the show won Emmy, but only the producers get the Emmy. Really? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess on paper I'm technically an Emmy-nominated writer. Like, the show won for Best Comedy, and I was a writer on the show, but I don't have an Emmy at my house that says I have a Writer's Guild Award. It's bullshit. Why didn't you get one? Because producers and up are the ones that get it. The The only writer that gets it is for Best Written Comedy, which we won, but it's the the writer of that episode. So only, oh. so only one writer gets it, and Amy Sherman-Palladino, rightfully so, was the one we nominated. Nah, I think you deserve it. That show is all her and Dan, man. Nah, to you, bro. That's what you tell me when we're off mic all <laughs> the time. You go, this is me. Mine should be the Listen, marvelous Mr. Yeah, you create, you create too much of that bullshit <laughs> rumor, and all of a sudden I'm going to be coming back to you begging for a job. Bro, I'd give you a job. I respect you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks, Chief. Seriously, thanks for doing the pod. Do you yeah. have a, a a YouTube clip that you like? By any chance? Like, anything. Like, what's your favorite YouTube? Do you have one that you go back to every once in a while because it makes you laugh? Or No, I actually hate watching myself. But, I mean... No, not of you. Oh. (laughs) Just of, like, anything. I know I should have asked you before this, but... Is that like a segment you do? Yeah, a recommended like, YouTube. Yeah, you know what I'll do instead of YouTube. The the only person I actually enjoy following on Twitter is Rex Chapman. Rex Chapman. You remember him, old For- basketball player, Rex Chapman? But now he just like posts really funny videos, and he's great. 
Rex Chapman is my only like social media recommendation. Why do I not know? Why do I know that name and I don't know? Because he played. Because he was a good basketball player. Uh, so he just posts. He posts like awesome videos. I mean, this is not yeah. compelling podcast no. <laughs> content to just watch you watch But go videos. to Rex Chapman. <laughs> I'm trying to look how for... You, how do you deal with him? <laughs> Take me seriously. You can't be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm trying... To, yes, these are good videos. And he just what? He just he just He's talks awesome. about them? Yeah. All right. So he just has a good taste. He's a good content curator who also gives credit to the people he's posting from. It's not like he's not trying to be... God damn. And that's his thing, blocker charge. That also. was... <sighs> yeah. guy just ate some shit, boy. So, anyway. You ever eat shit on a BMX that you remember? No, I remember but now sh- I'm... This is the first time in our friendship I'm looking at your fingernails. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. What are you I asked Dr. Drew. How, I was talking to Dr. Drew the other day, not to brag, but yeah, I know yeah, sweet famous name people now. Dr. Drew, he, good friend of mine. And uh, Do you introduce I, yourself as Andrew or Puddles? Andrew, man. I'm not fucking crazy. So I fucking, uh, I go, how do I stop biting my nails? Doctor opinion. And he goes, read the book, uh, Ulysses, the biography of Ulysses S. Grant. I was like, do you just want me to read a yeah, book what about? a horrible answer, like, Dr. Drew. I was like, what, because I'm a little bitch and he doesn't bite his nails because he was dealing with real shit? He's like, something like that. <laughs> Did you read it? I'm on like page 30. It's a... No, I am. I'm Shockingly, a... <laughs> you do not have the answer yet. I haven't bit my nails. Well, I have. Not That'd much. be funny if it was like he he died from uh, bacteria that comes from poop, which they discovered was under his nails. That's why I got my first AIDS test, boy. I don't know what to do with you. I know what to do with you. Get you home. There it is. Hey, what a smooth can we just You're say, a fucking pro. Hey, can we say uh, Baker? Get her done, Baker. Get her done. <laughs> Baker doesn't. Baker. <laughs> he I'm, I'm off the Baker train, by the way. I know. It was disappointing. Well, he cheated on his wife. You saw that. That's I didn't see that, but that's not why I'm off the Baker train. Okay, well that's why I'm on it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so, hey yo, here we go. Michael Porter Jr. is the future in sports. That's 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 who I'm getting everyone on. He had a bad back, and now is he good now? If Mike Malone would fucking play him the way he should, that motherfucker was. Oh, so- you actually have a couple NBA players that listen to this, huh? Yeah, Myers Leonard. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I remember the first time I saw him comment on your Instagram. I was like proud of you and was also like i instantly had anger towards him because he balled out against my nuggets in the playoffs last year when portland eliminated them but then i was like yeah he seems like a good guy he's, he's a puddles fan the nicest guy i like have ever like he came to a show in portland for nikki his girlfriend brought his wife brought him okay and then he wrote me on instagram that night and then i played blackjack with him when i was in vegas we were in vegas at the same time and then we just kept friendly since then so who's a bigger fan of who is he a bigger fan of you, or are you a fan of his? I'd say it's even, you know. <laughs> I still I love basketball, but I just I can't get into it till the playoffs. I just don't know why. I just, but he's a fucking he's a tank, dude. Yeah. But Michael Porter Jr. was fucking incredible in high school. Yeah. Like the best. He'll be incredible again as long as we get him healthy. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, thanks for having me. I could just talk about sports yeah, this, on that. Anyways, this really took right. a nosedive yeah, towards yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah. Didn't we? The baker doesn't get her done. <laughs> All right, so uh, where can they find you? Uh, at Noah G Comedy on all social media. NoahGComedy.com is my website. All right, man. And uh, see Maisel, Four Season coming up. Well, Sometime. we're starting writing. It probably won't be out until like December. December, get ready. Here <laughs> it comes. A, a, start the countdown. I drop. Here we go. Start the parties. Ten, nine months. All right, dog. Thank right. you so much. Thank you. All right, brother. Puddles. 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 Puddles.
Everybody now puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Everybody now puddles, puddles. Everybody get up because you get down. If you're getting too close, you know you're getting wet. If you're getting too close, you know you're getting wet. You're standing in deep, you're getting real wet. You ain't that deep because you're kind of shallow. Shallow in the brain and shallow in your heart. You'll never get that deep inside the water, girl. You'll never get that deep. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, puddles. Everybody now puddles, puddles. Everybody get up because you get down. No, when you're standing in the puddle, you don't know where to go because you're so deep. You don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how wet I am because I'm so wet. That's who I am. I'm so wet. Wet. I'm so wet. I'm so wet. I'm so, so, so wet. Now, come on in. Puddles, puddles. Puddles, 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 everybody now puddles, puddles, everybody get up because you get down and then everyone will come over here. This episode of Puddles was recorded at Remember to be Happy Studios. Production by Becky Rodriguez and Tanner Williams. That's Human Places, The Ease of Three, and Lil Kinky 69.